Welcome everybody to episode number three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Three into it. Going through it. Eh? Mm. We are. We are. I hope you're all enjoying it. We're having a blast doing this. So um, today we have. It is. Can I just say? Yeah. This is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you Definitely. came to me and said, like, oh, we, we should do this." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds a great idea." I'm on board, and then sunk in. I was like. Yeah, but see, I got you on a Sunday night when um, I think you were, ha- in, you know, having a lovely afternoon, evening. No, it was Saturday yes. night. I would never do that on a school night, <laughs> ever. School night. Uh, now this is but this is fun. I'm I'm enjoying doing this, and the, the last couple of episodes with with your brother and also with Anton, we had some great discussions. But I am looking forward to this um, episode with your friend Bernardo. Bernardo's mm. coming in, yeah. yeah. My Up, upstairs neighbour. My upstairs neighbour. Uh, um, session Muso, grew up in Brazil. I'm really, that, that angle and, and that conversation, I'm really looking forward to because uh, just to, to see, because he's a similar age to us. Mm. What, well, more than anything, the thing we've been talking about in, the, in this podcast and what it's really about is... Yeah. Um, why is the music you listen to between the ages of 14 to 20 uh, sculpture the genre and the tone of music that you are drawn to, you know, for the rest of your life? It lays the yeah. platform, that's the road you go on, the people that you're drawn to and stuff like that. So it's going to be really interesting because well, we had Anton and we got that kind of European, yeah. Irish kind of view of that. Yeah. We're having Bernardo come in from South America. We're flipping on the other side of the world. It's going to exactly. be completely different things. So it's going to be interesting to get... You know how he grew up his yeah. different answers different cultures how they do it i mean is a universal thing i mean that's really good exactly. and, and especially the, the the style of because the early 90s was such a a, a a huge part in musical history and whether or not that um time was the same if it was it's the same or even similar for us as it was for for someone that lives you know four or five thousand kilometers away you know, on the on the complete other side of the world, so that will be. Well, I mean, were, were they getting filtered the same things that we were? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, Bernardo was a musician, may have just been given a guitar and lived in you know a shanty town that didn't have a record store. We don't yeah. know. No, no, no. Oh, that's that's what I'm interested to find out, and especially the grunge influence, because yeah, I mean, it's easy for for Western media to come out and say, oh, it's a worldwide phenomenon. But Absolutely. How the fuck do we know? Really, you know? No, like, exactly, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, How do we know Bernardo, living in his small village in Brazil, even heard about the grunge yeah. scene when it came out? Yeah, so the, the story side of things, I'm, I'm super psyched to find out about today. But I did want to ask you, what because... What do you got? Just the... the and this is just jumping around a little bit. The that Talking Heads gig that you put up the other day, right? Mm. The I didn't realise 
um, and you give everyone your Instagram later on and they can go and check it out. I didn't realise when I was first looking at it that you were at a gig until I sort of re- took a double take and, and, and looked at it and read what you, you know, oh, talking heads, holy shit. Because it looked like some sort of freak circus thing. Like I had no idea, you know, like. Pretty much, let me set the scene for everyone this yeah, year. Yeah. Didn't see the concert. <clears throat> David Byrne, lead singer of Talking Heads. Uh, it's called American Utopia. He's been touring it for ooh, just under a year. Well, March he started in the yeah. States in, I yeah. think he said Louisiana. Yeah. Basically, it's a square stage with draped curtains boxing it in. Lit very well. But he has about, I'd say, 15 musicians on stage. Yeah. Not one of them sitting down. Every musician, even the keyboarders, for example, yeah. has a front chest harness with the keyboard hanging off, or the drums, or yeah. the guitar, or the bass, or the shakers, the maracas, the clackers, everything. <coughs> and they're all barefoot, walking around the stage, and they had a choreographed procession of how they did each song. And they didn't sit down for two hours. And they did everything from, you know, obviously, it's David Byrne, but the back catalogue of Talking Heads was incredible yeah. once in a lifetime burning down the house um home is where i want to be uh, this this must be the place yeah and it was just i really didn't know what i was getting into when i bought the tickets i just wanted to see david Byrne because yeah. you know look this is a guy who came from canada moved to the bowery in new york set up his band and by default ended up playing at cbgb's because they lived across the street yeah simple as that yeah you know, that was one of their first gigs with CBGB's. When they were inaugurated into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they brought up the owner of CBGB's, whose name I will insert here later. <laughs> they brought him up on stage to personally thank him. Yeah, right. Well, because that's a bit like CBGB's, you, you think Guns N' Roses, you think... Patti you know, Smith, Iggy yeah, like Pop, Blondie. Much more sort of... I mean, not that Talking Heads is not rock and roll, but it's not heavily guitar-based music, you know, which is what the CBGBs was known for, you know? Absolutely. Like, so. Well, they had a pretty eclectic run right through there. Yeah, but like just in, in As terms their of... Basic, the, CBGBs, well, yeah. the first thing you think of, Ramones, yeah. Iggy Pop, yeah. Blondie, punk, post-punk. Yeah. Yeah, they were different. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, fantastic band, David Byrne, and musicians all in their own right, because I believe... At one point, David Byrne went off to do his own stuff, so the bass player and the guitarist went off and did the Tom Tom Club. Ah, oh, right. That's yeah, the yeah. half of Talking Heads, okay. which in their own right were a great band for the two albums that they did. I think so, yeah. So, oh, look, it was, it was amazing. It, yeah. was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. But you, you see like why I went straight for the circus thing, because, the, you know, with the, the harnesses and the... It was, where was the gig? ICC down at Darling Harbour, the new one, which is purpose built. Yeah. It's staggered, tall, high seats like you're in a Coliseum, and the sound because it's purpose built in a modern day. It's not like the end or the metro or anything. It's purpose built for sound. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Is that where the entertainment centre used to be? No, no, no. no. It's It's an international convention centre, so it's on the other side of Darling Harbour. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, the entertainment centre is a hole in the ground, as far as I know, still. Yeah. Still. No, they're doing something. Mm. 
Government. Fucking government. Apartments. Apartments. More. We need more. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. We need to fit another 30,000 people. Yeah. Right here. Right here. No parking. No parking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be flying soon. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, flying cars, mate. We'll be right. We'll exactly. be right. They told us when we were kids. They <laughs> promised. They were Jetsons. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, did you just snort? I did. <laughs> I did. Ladies and gentlemen, there's yeah. nothing better than a snort laugh. No, 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 it's good. It's good. All right. Well, without any further ado, let's get Bernardo in and. Yeah, uh, let's hear this story. I want to hear it. Yep, I'm interested. I'm interested. Okay, back in a sec. Like him now. <laughs> to episode number three of the Ziola podcast uh, where we like to explore the music of our youth and how we st- it still affects our lives today. Uh, we have our third guest uh, on episode number three, uh, introducing Bernardo. Welcome. Thank you Thanks so much for, for coming me. in. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're a, a good friend of Andrew's, yep. and, um, but it's my first time meeting you, so man, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so originally you're from Brazil? Yep. Yeah, and yep. Ha- how long have you been in Australia? About 13 years now. 13 years, yeah. Yeah, so born and bred in Brazil, left Brazil in 2003 and started traveling. So lived in the, in the US for a little while, lived in England for a little while, then came down to Australia in 2006 and stayed here yeah so do you have uh, family here or just friends or live with my brothers Mm -hmm. came here with one of my brothers when we first um, yeah when we first decided to come here we decided to come here together and other my other two brothers followed after that so four four boys here four you all live together yeah Uh. all live together would you say living in all the different countries that you've lived in, it's broadened your horizons of music and give you more of an eclectic taste? Oh man, definitely. Like a major, of course, culture plays a major part in what you listen to, in what um, because it is sort of the music industry itself in each country. It it they are they are quite different, and it's sort of like dictated by the media in that country as well. What you listen to and what you're so what you will actually absorb um, is somehow controlled a little bit to a certain extent. Of course, the giving priority to local artists in that in that specific scene. So, like for example, uh, the 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 music that I had access to in in America or in England or in Australia, I potentially wouldn't have access to that back in Brazil, for example, for some reason. So definitely broadened my horizons. I got I I, I had um, access to, to bands and to music that I I wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. And and do you so. think that I mean what 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 age did you leave Brazil? So when I first left, I was twenty. So but I got to Australia at twenty three. So so do you, yeah. is there things that. Um, you would have listened to because what the, the, the ages that we sort of concentra- concentrating on are between say fourteen and uh, nineteen or twenty. So yeah. pretty much when your you teens. left, yeah. yeah, in your teens, which seems to be a pretty definitive 
part of most people's lives and, and, and their musical experience. Definitely, yeah. Um, things we've discussed in the last couple of episodes, you know, bands that, that we loved at that time, we still love now. Yeah. You know, and, and there's things that I listen to and, and that Andrew listens to now that we still compare to the, the big bands of our youth. Yeah. Um, James Addiction, Alice in Chains, you of know, course. Pearl Jam. Yeah. We grew up in that grunge era. Yeah. You know, they, they were the bands of the day. They were the guys that, you know, were pushing the boundaries and, and, and musically what we really connected with, you know. Of course, yeah. Most people our age, Nirvana was the Beatles, you know, like it, yeah. they, they were the worldwide phenomenon. So is, is, is there bands that you listen to or music or artists that you'd listen to in that time that you'd still carry with you now? Oh, man, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, it's the whole, that whole, I think, like, the 90s for me, like, I was actually talking to, to a friend of mine at work today, I remember the 16th of September, 1993, you know, <laughs> I remember that day, that specific day. I remember what I was wearing that day, what I had for lunch that day, because it was the day that I, you know, I, I listened to Pearl Jam 10, the whole album for the first time. And that for me was sort of a life changing moment. Like, you know, like, and that sort of opened a whole bunch of doors. As soon as I heard that, I was just like, what? the hell is this like I haven't heard anything like this before um, I'll, you know it's like a sort of um, it's almost like sex you know like you have it for the first time and you just go oh I've got to do that tomorrow I've got to do that again and like just give me three seconds yeah you know so it's sort of um, so that for me was sort of like losing my music virginity in a way like um, before that so that I was ten at that age. Yeah, 10, so right, yeah. Wasn't quite fourteen. But that sort of opened the first doors. It's sort of like literally losing your virginity. You you're not you're not an expert at it yet. No. You probably suck at it. But you know, like you you've done it, you've been there, so once you've de- once you've been there you want to yeah, go back. Pearl Jam's a pretty hot bird to lose your music virginity to. It was great. On it was the, great. It's sort of the like the, the looks. Yeah. Oh mate, the hottest chicken's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but then that's the thing it sort of opened the doors and it opened the doors for me to actually start listening to after that I I went back a little bit and heard Soundgarden and you know like and then got into Nirvana um, when I was the first time that I actually got back into Nirvana because in Brazil as well there was a whole lot of samba going on there was a a whole lot of what we call the MPB which is the popular Brazilian music it's a very Brazil has a very strong music scene super super strong super powerful a very strong music identity as well so anything that gets imported um, it all like especially back then nowadays it's a, a the influence is much of course we live in a much Digital more global age. world yeah. and yeah. so there's a lot more influence from outside but back then the um, yeah, anything imported was so new and was so fresh. And, and grunge, I think grunge was a major music revolution per se. Like, it's, uh, the I think, the last in, a, in an era that, um, you know, dictated fashion, dictated uh, language, dictated literature, li- dictated a whole lot of stuff. It's sort of like coming out from the metal sort of um, where there was like the heavy guitars and all that and 
stupid lyrics yeah. you know coming into grunge when they go like you can still be rock and roll and talk about your feelings yeah and that's sort of like for that whole generation for our generation that was a great thing it was sort of like we can still have the passion of metal and we can still scream out of our lungs but we can talk we can still be soft inside we can still talk about our feelings we can still open up about all yeah that's a really good way of putting it it's a it's a really succinct way because it's it you had those Guns N' Roses, Poison, Motley Crue, sort yeah. of, and they had the licks and they had the the, the chops to play, and yeah. the music wasn't. But the like you say, the lyrics were average. Yeah, at, I think Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, I think um, they are a Guns slight exception. Yeah. yeah, especially the first album. Yeah, yeah Guns N' Roses was know. a very emotive band, yeah. like, and I think, and they were related, so you can you know well, that. Well, Duff was from Seattle, exactly so he right. Came, he came with that 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 um that. Exactly. That, that exactly. way of playing and that way of writing music exactly and sort of introduce that and exactly. and like he said in interviews at the time there's so much music in Seattle but no one comes out of there exactly yeah, yeah. and I was more talking about the whole heavy metal from the 80s like the your your British bands your Iron mm. Maidens yeah. and your you know what I mean like um you know when you talk about skulls and blood and death and any Iron, that sort any of stuff. Iron Maiden cover pretty much yeah and in a cartoonish way almost yeah. it's, it's it, it is a very you know you've got Eddie you've got that whole that whole idea of that cartoonish way the whole idea of a, a sort of a surreal disconnected to reality m metaphor yeah uh, but still having that that power uh, that attracted so many people back in the 80s but then you know like it was that disconnection so basically the heavy metal in the 70s they used to speak about about love and uh, you know like the whole influence from the blues but then the grunge brought that back yeah. um, and and made it okay again to actually so that was pretty revealing for uh, that entire generation and I think it was the last massive revolution music has seen, uh, apart from now it's just like the overload um, mm. and the... Re the, well, the thing that the music, and it, it's difficult because, you know, I'm, I'm in my early 40s. Yep. So anything I say about teenagers today is you know, you're an old fart or you don't understand yeah. or you don't we could that's the attitude I had when I was that age as well yeah. but I do not see the kids of today being swept up in a movement like we, we were so lucky to live back then it's a very you know? different world yeah I, I think we live in a very different world where everything is so accessible everything is so out there for you you can just reach anything with the click of a button so literally yeah like any any like i remember when i was a teenager sort of waiting uh waiting for for that single to hit the, the store you know what i mean like you knew that the single was out because you read in a magazine and you knew that it was out in in america and you have pre-ordered in your your cd store with the the that dude that you just found like that the was the coolest dude in town the, the guy that knew everything about music and that guy used to work in the city store and you used yeah. to just spend hours talking to him after school um about any any but nowadays 
a band's going to release something, you get it immediately. Yeah. As soon as they share that, you get that. It's done immediately. It's on, it's on yeah. your phone. Yeah. iTunes, Spotify. It's, yeah. exactly. The second it's released, bang, right exactly. there on your phone. You can listen to it. Yeah. They had um, Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> the only thing I saw they did different when they released. They had a pop-up store here, here in Sydney, where it was for the fans to go to. They showed, I think, about four or five films in the cinema there yeah. that. Uh, had influenced or inspired the mm. new album. Yeah. Uh, they had vinyl for sale. They had cassettes of it for sale. They, you know, trying to make it a little bit different. And they didn't release the digital stuff until the next day. Yeah, yeah. right. So, you know, they kind of set themselves apart and brought it back a little bit. Yeah. The old school, like you're saying, waiting for that. A friend of mine's kid, 18 years old, rang me up and said, look, there's this pop-up store I have in Sydney. Can I come stay? I can get a flight on Thursday night and be there on and and for Friday. Is that cool? I was like, sure. This kid flew down from the Gold Coast just mm. to go to the pop-up store. Yeah, that's awesome. And he was like, he already pre-ordered his album, so that arrived at home while he was away. Yeah. And he was down here. He couldn't. Have, but he bought some posters. He bought the album again uh, so that he could yeah. keep one that was the you know the sit the the. the, the the numbered one yeah. in the plastic unopened and still have the new vinyl one for him to take back with him. Yeah. And he spent eight hours at this pop-up store. Yeah. yeah. Because there's such an appetite for that that, that sort of tactile uh, thing with music of, of, of having the, you know, we spoke about it with your brother with the, with the trophy and the, this is mine. Yeah. Which with, which with downloads, you don't get that same feeling. I mean, there are real positives to, to being able to access music quickly, yeah. but having that 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 special edition or that that limited edition thing for yourself that, that you're proud of and you can collect and exactly yeah. it has its value for sure. It has its value and that it's uh, that you can never take away from it. No. You know, it's a it, it is at the end of the day, it's an art piece. I think like the whole idea of uh, music streaming and all that and the accessibility that you have to to new music and to new bands and to small bands that mm. otherwise you wouldn't you know like there's plenty of positives but yeah one thing that you lose is that like for example if you if you're gonna buy a painting right so if you put music in the same art category um, a painting it's uh, you could buy an original pen painting that's a unique thing mm. and that's gonna have a value that it's like a, it's not Twelve dollars a month, you know mm. what I mean? Like that you pay for for whatever your streaming services is. Um, you're gonna buy. It's gonna have a price on it, and it's gonna be expensive. And if you wanna, if you wanna have, if you wanna have a print, sure, you can go anywhere and just print it off. But that original one, that's gonna be a, an expensive one, and that's how um, paintings are priced. But music now, you don't get that like. A, of course, a lot of bands are still trying, like Arctic Monkeys just did with this, trying to get back to that, you know what I mean? Like, get an art piece, you know? Like, and I think Tool, uh, of course, we can expect something on the new album as well, like 10,000 Days, when that yeah. came, and you had that artwork on it, that it's just so unique, like, with the lenses with the and lenses, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Like, as soon as that came, like, I wanted to have one of those. You can't get that on digital. No. But how can a band actually put them, put them, um, make a bit of a difference in a, in that corporate music industry world the way it is these days where, you know, like, it's, it's a dog-eat-dog dog that you're going to have to 
cut costs on your on your printing and all that sort of stuff and people are not going to buy albums people like most people are not yeah. that's that's the reality that's a sad reality but you know we live in we we're living in small and small apartments um, we you know like we're reducing the we can't we can't be carrying that baggage anymore no um, no people don't don't have a have a lot of time for that so um you're a musician yourself. Yeah, you, you play yeah. Uh, guitar. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a bass player. Play guitar yeah. as well. Yeah. Like grew up playing music. Yeah, um, something through through your family or something that you, no. you struck out on by yourself when you were younger. That that's that's what you something you wanted to do. Or? It was actually a funny uh, funny thing. Um, I was always passionate about cars and automobilism, and then for like when I was when I was a kid, I was supposed to be. Uh, doing this test for this go-kart team that fell through but you know how kids are um, as soon as one passion gets sort of crushed you just go straight into the next yeah so fill the void pretty yeah. much but it's not even a void like it's just like you, you're so open-minded you're just like a little sponge you're just, you're try, just trying sponge. things too to find exactly. your own identity you know you want to so. be an astronaut and a musician in a fireman and you know you want to be it all and you think you're gonna be it all so it's sort of like yeah sure I can't be a race driver yeah. no problem I'll be a musician instead yeah so that was sort of like a, a straight away and we we were listening a lot to Aerosmith back yeah. then I had um, this group of friends at school uh, and it was five of us and was like, we were like the inseparable kids and we always listening to music on the lunch break and all that sort of stuff and sharing all that these were the guys that I heard the Pearl Jam 10 with as well. Um, so so that had been... So this was pump, before... The, the Pump album or before that? Was I'm pretty sure it was Big Ones. Pretty sure it was Big Ones. Yeah. Um, not sure. Not sure. Could have been Pump. But yeah, yeah anyway. Uh, we were sitting around just listening to it and we are like shit this is so cool and there was a band in school these guys were like on year 12 mm. and they they were a cover band as well from like they were playing uh, different covers every, every like of different tunes and they used to play on in the lunch breaks at school and we we're like dude these guys are cool you know, like these guys are cool. They were—they're were always with all the chicks. We were a little bit like the the, the, the fringe of the school at that time. And uh, we're like, what if we just, you know, learn how to play? And we were like nine years old back then. We're like, what if we learn how to play? And um, by the by the time we're at their their age, we're just gonna be fucking good. We'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And have all the girls. And have all the girls, you know what I mean? Like, that we're sort of like. Saying, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we're already thinking me, of the future. Thinking yeah. of the future. We're like, we need, to, we need to sort out that situation of getting no girls at nine years old, you know what I mean? Like, that was a major concern back then, yeah. you know? So we're like, okay, let's just do it. And then we looked at the booklet in the album, uh, Aerosmith album, and we saw there was five of them, there was five of us. We're like, yeah. Done. perfect. That's it. All right. Well, so what are we gonna do? <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> like, that's spot on. What we're gonna do? Let's just do it. Okay. So you you playing guitar? You yeah. playing shit? There's two yeah. guitarists. You yeah. doing that? You playing bass? And I was I was the bass player. And 
was like, I had no idea what the bass was. Mm. So I was just like, yeah, shit, shit, I'll yeah, play yeah. bass. I can do that. Yeah. So I went <laughs> home, yeah. went home that day and sitting there, so we, we made that deal. We're like, okay, let's all start taking classes. We'll ask our parents to get, give us instruments. Went home, sat there with, uh, with my dad and my brother and all that, and we're having some food on the table. And I was like, dad, I want to be a musician. I'm going to be a bass player. I want to join the school. My dad, my dad back then, like he was pretty conservative and, you know, like came from a very Catholic family. He's like, music is no good for you. It's full of orgies and drugs. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what orgies are. I don't know what drugs are, but that sounds bad. But then again, that's the second dream crushed in a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, fuck. Well, got on my got on my bicycle and went to my grandfather's house. Pissed off, pissed off. I remember I was pissed off. Uh, riding BMXs around and shit. Got there and I was talking to my my grandfather back then, and he was like, "What? What the hell? Why? Why are you so all pissed off there?" I told him the story. He's like, "Whatever, forget about it. I need to go to the bank. Come with me. Let's go to the bank. Let's sort out and few things." Went. Before we got to the bank, it just turned into a, a little gallery there. There was a music store in there. I'm like, fuck, okay. Got in, he was told the guy, he said, look, this guy's going to play bass. So, um, do you have like an entry-level bass that I can get to him? I'm like, fuck, that, that time I was already shaking. <laughs> so, he got me the bass, went, to, went back to his house. On the way back to his house, he's like, okay... But music, you gotta know that music's dedication as well. It's not something that you're gonna do to pick up chicks. I told him all the story. <laughs> and I, I was very honest with him. I wanted yeah. to do it to pick up chicks. And um, he's like, okay, so you're gonna go and you're gonna leave. We're not gonna tell your dad, first of all. You can't tell your dad because that's gonna be a mess. He was my mother's father. Uh, right, so that yeah. would have been a yeah. disaster back then. Um, so he's like, I'm leave the bass in my house. I'm gonna plug it in. He had like this old Marantz stereo that I absolutely destroyed, which I feel bad for because it was like this sweet 1970s Marantz stereo system, like just incredible, incredible system. And um, yeah, I destroyed it because he got the um, he got an electrician to go and just do some things with it I'm, I should have bought an amp but yeah. you know we didn't know anyway he put me in the school and he said you're gonna be coming to my house every day after lunch and you're gonna practice it for at least an hour a day like sweet Ooh, he's yeah. like otherwise I'll take the bass off you so I started playing there and then joined the band um, did a few things with the with these guys but it wasn't an Aerosmith cover ended up being uh, something completely different like played grunge yeah we got right into the grunge when we started actually learning our instruments so um played a whole bunch of pearl jam played a whole bunch of of that stuff started writing music when we realized we we're like 14 15 we we're touring you know people yeah. going to school still and we we're already touring um which got us a whole bunch of chicks. So yeah. we got the <laughs> so you got, you got, got what you wanted. <laughs> we got we got what we wanted. Um, yeah. So it wasn't a family thing. It was uh, it was and it wasn't. Um, yeah. Nobody in my family was 
a musician. My dad actually loves music, which is funny. And nowadays we we talk about it, and he's got a completely different version of the story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was all his idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I made sure you got that yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he he ended up giving me a because uh, that came to one of our gigs when we were in the band already, and I was still with the entry level bass, and I had a shitty amp. So he he ended up he saw that gig and he ended up giving me a, a proper bass and yeah. a proper amp and stuff, which were the the first proper ones, but. Yeah, it took him a while to actually come into terms with it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So, you're, you're living in Australia now. Um, Andrew was saying you work for Oz Harvest. Yeah. Yeah? And yeah. What, so, what do you do for those guys? So, I, I work in the logistics department mm-hmm. at Oz Harvest. Um, so, just give, just give everyone, to people that don't know, just a really brief... Yep. What I, I've heard of Oz, of Oz Harvest before, but just yep. give everyone a quick to one minute version of what what those guys are about? So it's a food rescue. So reducing waste while um, feeding the vulnerable in the community. So basically we go out to places like uh, Woolworths and other supermarkets and and some other places like that. We rescue food that is surplus uh, that they're gonna chuck basically and take it out to charities around town and and around the country actually. So, catering for over 400 charities in Sydney, uh, moving about 210 tonnes of food a month in Sydney alone. Yeah, that yeah. blew me away when you yeah. first told yeah. me that. The tonnage. Yeah. Oh, mate. And that... You know, you don't... Yeah. One tonne, two tonne a week, and it's like... 200 and... Yeah. It doesn't insane. even scratch the surface. And that's the, the most brutal thing about it. It doesn't even scratch the surface. If yeah. we had double the resources, it, we would easily double that like wow. easily it's it's nuts it's nuts uh, food, food wastage is a, yeah. a a massive thing especially with the you know the limited resources that we have already yeah. and landfill is just i mean to dump anything is so expensive yeah you'd think that you know the recycling or the you know passing on of that food would be a, a logical extension for most people you know so yeah some yeah. countries are actually already making a difference like france for example is forbidding um supermarkets to like throwing food away and all that um australia's still a long way a long way away mm-hmm. but we like there is a lot of movement on the ground as well uh, at the moment towards something like yeah. towards a better future for sure yeah because i have a friend that runs a cafe and a catering business and i know mm-hmm. he uses oz harvest yep a lot because you know you, you he can go and do a uh, you know a big function, and half yeah. the f- half the food won't get eaten. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's because you know people are yeah. drunk or whatever, or they're just you know not interested. Yeah. They're there for another purpose, and yeah. so yeah, it's it's a really you know positive thing that, that you guys are doing. It's great. It's cool. It's yeah. very cool. It's very rewarding. Like yeah. when you get out there and you see uh, first, you see the volumes of food that you're rescuing that you you know that would be going to landfill otherwise. Um, and then you get to to agencies and charities, and you see that food going to to the people, and you actually get that face to face. I started as a driver at Oz Harvest, yeah. and um, got to see that like first in the hand. F- yeah. yeah, first hand. So yeah, it's really rewarding. It's really really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and just just to bring that back to to music for a second. It, 
do you have things like during your normal work day do you have music that, that you listen to on the way to work or on the way home or in your lunch or while you're working are there things you know do you have i mean it's, it, Probably when you're a driver, I mean, I'm a truck driver, an mm-hmm. interstate truck driver, so I've got stuff on all the time. Yep. Um, they're things that you'd listen to to get you through the day. Yeah, definitely. Like, different playlists, mm-hmm. and that's the positive of like the streaming service sort yeah. of thing. Uh, explore different playlists. So, like we, we have music on in the office all day as well, and um, trying to find different bands. Yeah. Trying to to see what's what's on, what's new, um, what's outside the realm of the industry, because mm-hmm. um, that's one thing that that sort of forced me out of the industry itself was you know was how small it actually is. Yeah, some, something I've been thinking about recently is that there, there seems to be. Um, like you were saying, there's that that top level, you know, top forty, mm. major major label yeah. product that we're sort of force fed that this is what's good, this yeah. is what you need to listen to, and probably eighty percent of the population goes with that because it's it's easy and it's consumable. Yeah. But then there's 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 that underlying layer of probably where my musical tastes inhabit, mm-hmm. um, and to my mind anyway, where the good music is and the good musicians that don't get the recognition they deserve because mm. they're not, uh, I don't want to say sell out because being popular doesn't necessarily mean you've sold no. out, it just means you've written something that people enjoy and yeah. you know, you've know you got a marketing machine behind you that's able to put that out but for every you know uh, Joe Satriani, there's, mm. uh, there's another five million of those guys that yeah. are just as good, if not better, that don't get that recognition. And, yeah. and that's, when I go looking for music, that's the layer that I want to explore. Yeah. You know, is, and not so much to be like, yeah, fuck, I'm cool, bro, I found these guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just because it, that music, for want of a better word, has more soul mm-hmm. and has more meaning behind it and does harken back to that time period of my life where, like you were saying before, with, the, the, with grunge, Mm. And and those bands, the feelings that come across in that music that, that mm. seem to be, um, to, to me, top forty pop music is really disconnected. It's yeah. giving you a very simple message, so you don't have to put a lot of thought into listening to it. Yeah. Because sometimes, uh, I have a theory with most albums. Most albums have a key mm-hmm. in that, or a door, and that door may be one song. And if you open the key and you get through that door with that one song, the rest of the album will be opened up to you. Yeah, you know? uh, so in an album culture. Yeah. In an album culture, which which we don't live in at the moment. We're you know? moving away from that, for sure. We're moving away from that. Like, I do I do love my concept albums and, you know, like the new Arctic Monkeys, for example. I love that album. I, I dig it. Um, but in, but in, it's conceptual back, and all that. Back, back home... Like you said, Brazil has a very strong musical culture, but yeah. is there still that, that that multi-layer of okay, that that's your you know your, your pop music, and that's what's pushed by the major labels. But then underneath that, there might be you know a, a, a five times the amount of musicians or bands that are still producing great music. Oh yeah, and if you just have to search that little bit harder to find them, you know. 
They all intertwine somewhere inside yeah. the music industry. Yeah, it's, it's not, not it's like it's here. Not, it's not like black and white. It's definitely yeah. you know gray areas in between. And yeah, you know. and you know what's um, what's good is very subjective as well. Like yeah. if you get inside the top forties, the the people that actually play and record those songs, they are actually the musicians that usually yeah in heaven the, the another second layer you know yeah. what i mean like they are they usually the, the the session players and all that that um have their own projects that are on the second on that second layer there so they are very talented they're still the same people uh, the industry is quite small um you spend some time in um in the music industry you get to know pretty much everyone mm. Uh, at least by name, or at least by saying hello, or meeting at gigs, and, and all that. So, uh, it's very hard to actually... So, basically, what what makes you a top 40 artist is um, the is the corporate just going and saying, I can tell this, you know, because you know, because she's hot, or he's hot, or because they, they have music that is easy enough to understand, or um you know for whatever reason or if they have money behind them mm. which is a major thing in music at the moment as well it's sort of like do you you come up you come up to an agent or or, or a manager or something like that the first thing is that, that they're going to say is like what you know as a business as uh, in from a business minded uh perspective if you if you are to manage a business then you have an option to manage a business that has no capital uh, for you to play with and you're going to have to build it from scratch even though the idea is great and then you get another business who's got fucked on the capital <laughs> and basically it's just another fast food joint yeah you know what would you rather what would you see yourself actually you know I completely understand where they come from it's sort of like yeah, yeah, I have 50 grand and a half-assed album. Dude, it's technology world. I'll take it to the to a producer. He's going to make this sound half-decent. I'll get a publicist who's a friend of mine. I'll give him 15 grand and he'll put this in in the he'll put these in in uh, the radio stations around Triple J or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be because those radio stations need to survive as well. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so everybody's sort of like stuck in this in this in the situation that you just what do you do? Yeah, because yeah, mm -hmm. it's in, it's interesting the way that it works. Well, I used to work for um, uh, Warner Brothers years and years ago, yeah. and I was talking to one only in the warehouse, like nothing major. And I was talking to one of the A and R guys, and um, he was explaining to me how the charts work in Australia. That it's not actually based on your sales. Oh no! It's based on what the record store would order. Yeah. So if they it's wholesale. Yeah. If they if they buy a hundred copies of it, will they count that as a hundred sales? Yeah. Even though it, it might not be the people that are actually out there listening. So I don't. Is, is that is that the same overseas? Like in your experience, it's the same it's everywhere. Same sort of thing. Same yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And nowadays the whole the the whole record thing has just fallen off. Yeah. the the radar like that that was the start nowadays is sort of like basically um you will be taken seriously 
if you're working with people that are taken seriously. Yeah. To work with people that are taken seriously, you've got to pay them. Um, and that's the only way that you can push gigs and all that sort of stuff. The, the, the industry will only make money out of an artist from shows. If they're selling seats, then you can actually invest in that artist. Um, the only way they'll sell seats is through publicity because people are not going to gigs as much anymore. No. People don't want to go to gigs as much anymore. The, the venues are significantly reduced uh, as well. Like you can see, I've, like I've been here for 12 years or 13 years and you can I can see like when I got here, you had like the Annandales pumping and you had... You know, like all these venues everywhere that were pumping with live music all the time. Bondi, Bondi had like bands like Cog and you know, like all that sort of stuff that you'd go around and you'd go down to the beach road in Bondi and you'd get bands playing there all the time and they were circuit. And I saw that through my music career in in Australia. I saw that sort of reducing reducing so yeah. sydney if you get like from that the entry level of bands having having a go and having a chance um yeah that because that that's a probably around the period that i stopped playing mm -hmm. gigs because even 10 years previous to that you know you, you had the lands down the hope town mm -hmm. and, yeah. and pubs that in 2006 we're not putting on bands anymore yeah. I mean Selena's still, and, Selena's yeah. and I mean I, I played at the Beach Road and and you know other places like that and a few pubs in uh, in in Surrey Hills we did did all of those and even from about no, 93 94 mm. they just all started being pokies and all started being you know they put a TAB in or they put yeah. you know the chain oh we're just doing a bistro where we're you know yeah. a, a select bistro now we don't don't do music and I get it. They make a fuckload of money. They make it. they make money out of it, but it doesn't entice people to want to go out either. No, because you, I mean, you, you can sit at home and play the pokies, mate. Dude, like, it's you, depressing. It's you shit, go you know? to go to a pub and you sit in the in the pokies room. Like, come on, it's depressing. Yeah. You're gonna hate yourself. Yeah, and and that generic music that's coming out of the speakers. And that's you're not, horrible. You're not, yeah, it's, that's it's horrible. Not a good place. It's just there's no care. There's no there's no ambience. There's no atmosphere. There's no feel good about it. There's nothing that is feel good about it. No, you know? no. smell of cigarettes and ugh. stale beer and exactly. vomit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so, so when when it's you came, it's just a consistent smell in all the pokey rooms. Depression, mate. Yeah, it's exactly. depression. It is, is. is because the those people are trapped in a in a in a in a bad circuit. I mean, mm. I've had had friends of mine that um, could not walk past a pub, yeah, without going and chucking five bucks in just in case. And you see, like you know? this is the thing: um, gambling in Brazil is forbidden. Right? Is it? Yeah, it's a major crime. So there's no gambling whatsoever. Like there's no gambling in sports. There's no gambling in any any of that. So when I get here and I see that people gamble in, in the elections, yeah. people gamble in everything here. People gamble in, like, you name it. 
They'll gamble on it. Yeah, they had a a market for how long the uh, Royal Kiss was going to be at the wedding. Yeah, I know, right? So it's sort of like... What colour the Queen was going to wear. Dude, and that's sad. That's sad. You know, like you see... um, I know it moves a lot of money. I know that. You know, I know that it's a big industry in itself. It's sold as as being the Australian way, though. Like, you, you know, like I don't bet at all. Yeah. I never have because I'm not willing to give someone my money that I've worked so hard for, you know. Yeah. But it. I just don't enjoy it. No, I no, get not, no pleasure from it. No, my mates who just watch the football, they just sat on their phone placing bets. Yeah. Exactly. Watch exactly. the watch the game. Look at the skill of the guys. That's what they're out there to do. Yeah. Not 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 the bet. No, I mean, yeah. it's more fun. No, it's more yeah. fun. and that's the thing. It's sort of like it wrecks. It wrecks. It can potentially wreck your life. It can potentially wreck your. You know, like your, it is addictive. Yeah. It is designed for you to lose. It's sort of like the cigarette industry in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's designed for you to lose. Oh you, no, mate! It's just you a, know that you're just gonna a flutter, lose. mate. It's all right. Don't worry. See, mm. but that's the thing. It's sort of yeah. like that. That sort of justification. That uh, it just, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't do it to me. Like no. when you. Um, of course, you have illegal gambling in Brazil, though. Of course, you have the underground sort of... But it's... Uh, come on. But like, it's not government-sponsored or big business going, yeah. Like dude, it. it's like... When but you see... Like, I worked in pubs and stuff like that for a while and when I when I got here. And when you see, like, pensioners that walk in a pub at 10 in the morning and gamble all of their money... Um, because they just can't control it, you know what I mean? Like the whole, and then you have like, oh no, let's just put this course now. It's the the RSA and the R, uh, the RSG or responsible responsible gambling something for yeah. for the stuff. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Like, those, like those ads, man. Like oh yeah, we we gamble this and gamble that. It's a good thing. Gamble yeah. responsibly. Gamble responsibly. You know, it's the same just, thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of shit. So yeah. ju- just to backtrack just a little bit. Yep. Um, when you came to Australia, yep. did you play in bands? Did you have like, did you get out and and, and get into the scene and, and yeah, join shit, up with yeah. musos and, and that sort of stuff? So, yeah, shit, sure, yeah. When yeah. I first got here, um, the first place that I, I I came into Homestay when I when I first got here, I didn't want to make the same mistake that I did in London. Uh, London, I got there without a place to stay, so it was fucking harsh. Yeah. Um, so I got a um, yeah, I got a place here for I paid for paid in advance for three weeks. It was this lovely lady out in um, uh, French's Forest and that way Bell Rose or mm-hmm. somewhere around there, um, and she she had a son who is an amazing singer, incredibly talented dude. So we just sort of clicked straight away and he was showing me around the scene that was going on at the time and he's a major Tool fan and all that sort of stuff. So we we bonded a lot there and um, and then a friend of mine from Brazil came over uh, as well and we used to play music together and we, we sort of grew up together. And um, so we started playing music together, we started doing all this sort of stuff, started doing jam sessions in Bondi. Uh, where there was a, like the blue chip, this bar there underneath the mm-hmm. Swiss Grand Hotel. We used to do like mad jams out there for uh, full nighters and all that sort of stuff. It was great. Got to meet a lot of musicians and 
all of a sudden we like we, I was in bands and doing like um, recording work session work for mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of people. Um, got to to play in like some of the major studios in Sydney and all that and record with a few a few great Sydney artists and then I went to Melbourne for three years in which I you know played with bands in Melbourne like scene in Melbourne is phenomenal it's so different so oh yeah different so such different. a different they had even just it's a culture or uh, oh, just yeah. art in general yeah. down there is 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 it's valued I, I, I work for a for an art auction house yeah, and Melbourne is our biggest market. Yeah, you know I'm actually going there tomorrow because yeah. we've got a big auction down there this weekend, and it's 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 they have such an appreciation, and and in Sydney it's such it's so tied up to what someone else thinks that you have and what they think about. You you can come into my house and I've got a on my wall or I've got this rep, you know it's about showing off. Whereas in Melbourne it's like no I, I bought that because I wanted it. Because I wanted to wake up in the morning and look at it, or I wanted to wake up in the morning and listen to it. It's it's such a different attitude it, to it life. It definitely it know? definitely does. But then again, it's sort of like um, it's like Melbourne is like a big new town. Yeah, you know, like new town is great. Yeah, and you get there, and you know, like there's this whole idea that you first get there, and but then again, once you spend a little while there you realize that that's somehow a little bit fake yeah um so there is a dark side to it too but the positive is the entrance is open yeah. for a whole lot more people and it, it, it gives you, you know, that opportunity exactly yeah. but yeah. in the end of the day it's all the same sort of idea um so what what sort of um uh music do you play like in terms of like if you were to put a band together with something that you wanted to do yep what what sort of style and what sort of things do you love you know like I mean I've I mean I refer back to myself because I love groove anything with a groove if it's if it's metal hip hop as long as it's got a a sort of a funk flow to it I'm there yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if it, if they're rapping or they're singing or they're yep. screaming or whatever. As long as it still has that bit of a head bobby flow to it, and mm. people can still dance to it, they don't have to jump around and be idiots. Yeah, that that's my that's my lane. You know, that's yeah. where I want to go. So when when you came here, did you find that easy to find things that that you wanted to play? I love collaboration. So basically, I've played all sorts of music. I've played like from from jazz bands to wedding bands to to like um, corporate function bands that you have to play those three sets. You play like um, um, a slow set, a medium set, and a fast set, yeah. a fast top forty set or whatever. Rock bands, um, heavy, heavy, Miss Sugar sort of yeah. style yeah. rock bands. So like your soft rock, um, all sorts of bands. You name it. Um, but you personally, like, what 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 drives you? Like, what what do you go? Oh, yeah, that's 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 my thing. You know. When I when I have creative freedom inside uh, a project, so basically my last band here, uh, we started when I came back to Sydney in two thousand and twelve. And it was a collaborative thing. So it's basically the whole idea was no one is the main songwriter. We get in the room and we play. Yeah. Whatever comes out. So it's five dudes in a room 
You know, the whole idea of Pearl Jam. Uh, five dudes in a room jamming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whatever feels good. So you're not pigeonholing things. And I like that. I like that. So it's basically... A, I, I see music as a language. So... Uh, and I think new genres and all that sort of stuff comes from it. If you want to pigeonhole it, which the industry asks you to, actually, because mm-hmm. they go, but what sort of genre is it? You just go, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> it's what we play. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, you know, it's feel-good music for me, mate. Like, you know? <laughs> but they just go, no, I can't sell feel-good no. music, you know? Like, you've got to tell how, me what sort of genre. How are we going to label that? Yeah, you yeah. just have to. But then, like, for me, it's what vibes in the room. So if I'm playing with people that I dig, like, it's artists that I like what they do. Um, and I, I did find that quite easy in Sydney because there are a lot of very talented musicians in Sydney and um, many, many extremely talented artists. So I don't think the... Um, I think the work ethics in musician is something that is is not something that attracts me a lot because a lot of a lot of people just want to be musicians for other people like yeah. the whole idea that you which is different in Melbourne like people want to be musicians because they want to be artists and they yeah. want to spend their time with the art and they want to live live and breathe their art but in Sydney a lot of bands they just go nah, I don't want to know what the G chord is I don't yeah. want to know what you know what I mean like I don't want to know what music is. That's a waste of time. I'm just, I'm just here for the ride. Yeah, I'm um, just here to show I, my friends. I like, I like that, that because um, I love that, that same sort of way of playing. Mm. And 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 when I grew up, like the the bands that I played in, I haven't played in a band for probably twelve, thirteen years now. Yeah. But the the band, the, they're all guys I went to school with. Yeah. Um, and and that's what we used to do. Yeah. Kind of sit in a room and just okay, you start just playing play. something and I'll jump in. Yeah, and then you do that and and so yeah. and it's that same thing. People go, but what are you playing? Like, just come and see. Yeah, and just you, you find out if you like it. You do like. Oh, can you? you no, I can't. I can't because we had uh, we, we did straight funk stuff and then we yeah. play. We you know we did like a yeah, version of our new metal. You know, like metal yeah. with hip hop over the top. We had a DJ come and play with us for a yeah. few years and a didgeridoo player and you know like just yeah. whatever fuck who cares you, yeah. you know that guy is a good bloke yeah can you come and jam yeah. but I do run into other musos where you go come on dude let's just just play you know let's just I'll, I'll start something and let's have a jam and they're like no 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 I wrote this song and this is how it goes that's when I jump out yeah that's that's, that's, when that's I go a big turn off for me that's sorry like, mate dude yeah. we, we're not going to connect on the level yeah. that we need to, to to get through what we want to do if mm. if if you can't get out of your comfort zone, like back in the day, I'd I'd get to people like that and I'd say, sure, do you want me to play with you? Sure, mm. no problem, I will pay me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll play exactly what you want. Yeah, exactly what you want. You yeah. tell me what you want to play, and I'll I'll play. And I got to the point that I played with the dude once, uh, a few a few gigs, and he does like RSLs and things like that, which is good money. He's got. Music. I'm sorry, but he's got horrible music. Uh, for me, yeah. it taste is very subjective. Some people love his music, and I do. I do respect his work, and I do respect his art, and all that. But for me, it was something that I just go like, oh, that's so boring to play and all that sort of stuff. And I'm pretty honest, and I said to him from the beginning, "This is not my cup of tea." He's like, "I'll pay you." So he- sure, mate. I'll I'll be professional and I'll do the best that I can and I'll play the the music and all that sort of stuff and I um, 
I said, okay, so can you um, can you just send the, the songs to me from you know so I can learn? Oh no, you gotta go on iTunes and buy the album. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Is that are getting you added serious? to my paycheck? <laughs> I'm like, are that's you are you for that real? That's, that's crazy. So I said to him, I said, I'm not gonna do that, man. Like that's an insult to. Yes. That's an insult. <laughs> like, come on. I said, I'm not gonna do that. I'm telling you that your music is not my cup of tea. Yeah. You yeah. insisting that you want me to play your music for you. I, I said to you that I will, but you gotta pay me for my time. And then you tell me that I have to buy your album so I can learn your music that I don't wanna play. <laughs> I said, <"Where>, what? <laughs> so I said to him, I said, look, you want me to do the gig? I'm not gonna, I, I can improvise on like I can actually improvise. I can jump on stage and improvise, and I can do that. Um, but I'm not gonna play your lines, man. Like your music is simple enough for me to have complete confidence that I'm not gonna make you make a fool of yourself. Um, people are still gonna like it, but it's gonna be my flavor. I'm not buying your your album. He's like, no, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. So I I ended up not buying it got there and improvised the entire gig and it was awesome but then as soon as i i had i had a ball because yeah. then you have creative freedom you yeah. just go and you improvise and you do your thing and i left and i left the stage i remember going backstage and just going that was great i had a lot of fun thank you very much i'm not doing this again fair enough fair enough so, so just, just to bring it around, um, sort of full circle, the when you like when you play for yourself, you know, you, you're sitting in your room. Yeah. Do, do you still think back to ten that that that, that album oh, shit, and that yeah. stuff, and you go, that's the not so much. All right, yeah, I want to play that note for note, but that's the guts I want, and that's yeah. that that's the feeling that I want to try and inspire people with and, and, and still huck, because I know I do, you know, yeah. like the, the sound that I get on my bass um, is super influenced by Dirt, yeah. you know, that, that album, that, that, that's, that's, that and Les Claypool, those, you know, I try and go mm -hmm. for sort of like a mix between those two. Yeah. And so does that f for you, is that, you know, like you still think about those, those early days, you know, when you're first picking up the bass and what you were listening to back then, no doubt yeah no doubt it's sort of it goes and the whole concept like this is what i'm talking about the five guys in the room you know what i mean like the that same idea of Gem getting together and footmen flying eddie vetta from from cali all the way up to 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 seattle and just going inside the room and just going like shit and coming up with that album in eight months uh completely in a collective way that shit doesn't happen anymore no. And that shit inspires the fuck out of me. Like, yeah. it's sort of like something that I, you know, like, and you will always do. As, and as a human being, uh, that respect for each other's um, artistic um, work and, you know, like, the inputs and how, how they will, you know, how they behave as a band, um, how they approach their music. Um, and not only 10, but 10 was the, the opener, but throughout the entire career and 
it takes me right back then you know what i mean like for any any kind of project any music project that i and you know like you can ask any person that has played music with me in my entire music life they will they will tell you that at some stage i i went back and i told them the story and i said this is what i want you know what i mean like yeah. uh maybe musically not as not as much because i don't want to be a copycat and i no. i want to i want to have my artistic but as the approach to your art and the approach to your yeah no idea yeah yeah that's awesome it's been really entertaining and, and interesting good. talking yeah. to you yeah thank you so i think we're going to take a quick break and then we might have a little bit of a jam Cool. Yeah. Cool. Sounds cool. great. Let's set that up. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Sounds good.
Cool. Thank you, man. Thank you. It'll be rough, but yeah. that was cool. Thank that was you so cool. much, man. No worries. Thank you. Like I said, it's been a while, so yeah, that was fun. Fun. Good fun. Love it. Love it. Guys, thanks so much for listening. That was another great episode. Great episode. Awesome. Uh, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Check out our Instagram, at Zorola Podcast. Upcoming guests, little highlights, little bits of video and stuff. Um, if you want to drop us a line. Please do. Please do. Send us an email, zorolapodcast at yahoo.com. Pick us up on some mistakes. Uh, remember, though, Zoyola is spelled with an X, not a Z. Generation X. Generation X. Um, but yeah, look, we're open to all feedback. Um, if you give us a follow on Instagram, we'll give you automatic follow back. Just because that's the lovely guys that we are. So lovely. So lovely. Very happy. Um, look, if you want to be a guest, you know of someone that wants to be a guest, you like what we're doing, you just want to say g'day, just drop us a line. We'll, we'll read everything, try and get back to you if we can, and uh, hopefully give you a shout out if possible. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.